Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. M.S.W. Media. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. On the unique side, and especially how it's spelled, because my mom, bless her heart, misspelled it in the hospital. So everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> I misspelled my husband's middle name on Jay's birth certificate, and we confirmed it three times. I mean, middle names—do they really matter? No, I'm always afraid somebody's gonna be like, "That's not really your father." I'm gonna <laughs> literally report you right now. Well, does she look more like you, or does she look more like him? Just like my husband. Just that like is your so husband. offensive. So we are here with Tired Girl. Tired Girl, welcome to Podcast Land. Hey yo, we're on. TV. Teacher quit talk. We're all talking and we're all quitting. Quitting everything. Quitting jobs. Multiple. Quitting teaching. Just quit them all. So we had Tired Girls story read on our Patreon submissions episode and we brought her in because we were desperate to know a little more about her story. So here's some clips from her story. I'll put them right after this. Girls, I have had a time, lol. (laughs) I already love you. I have worked at four different schools in the last four years. Three of them were this school year. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, Jesus. No. Makes me look like a flight risk. I refuse to settle for shitty pay, shitty leadership, and being asked to do downright illegal things by my superiors. Period. When eight SLPs from one district leave before the school year is half over, it's not us who are the problem. What were you being asked to do as an SLP? This person says, I promise to submit longer versions of some of the absolute hijinks that have happened to me as soon as I've worked through the PTSD, but I... I just wanted to leave all my education and education adjacent friends with this. You're not crazy. If it feels wrong, it's because it most likely is wrong. Don't settle and keep moving forward if you have to. 10 out of 10 recommend putting in your notice and leaving them in the dust as a self-proclaimed expert at it at this point. LOL. Love you guys and this podcast XOXO tired girl with a kissy emoji. We love you. I can't wait to talk to you. We love a tired girl. I love my SLPs. I need to know why you were asked to do illegal things and what they were, if you can tell me, and just 
everything. I will say I think you're going to be a bit disappointed. Never. It's nothing juicy. It's really what you guys were thinking. Being asked to submit paperwork past a deadline or speed up paperwork. Because in the state that I'm in, you have about... 90 days to submit an evaluation to do all of your initial paperwork because it takes a very long time and sometimes things would land in my inbox like with 10 days to spare and they'd be like whoops I forgot can you please get this done by this day so we're not out of compliance and I'm like if I liked them I would do it but it's not great and then being asked to see groups that were too big you're not allowed to see groups that are too big obviously because it's not effective even where they had us capped was not effective especially with the population that I was working with, but they made us hit our legal limit every single year that I was there. And then the year after COVID, they asked us to surpass it and you were just expected to say yes. They were very surprised when I said no. I find it so funny when administrators get so caught off guard when you say no to something. I don't remember what the form was. It was about me, not a child though. It was like an evaluation or an observation or something like that. And they were trying to get me to sign it and they were like, oh, you need to date it as this day because we're supposed to submit it by that day. And it was like two or three weeks prior. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I was like, I'm happy to sign it, but I'm not going to date it. Like, I'll just leave the date blank if you don't want me to write today. And she was like, no, it has to be dated. And I was like, technically, any of these documents are government property and can be used in a court of law. So I don't feel comfortable dating something not on the day that it happened. And she goes, no one's ever said anything like that before. She goes, everyone's just always done it. She goes, I've never thought about that. And then she was like, yeah, just leave it blank, I guess. Yeah, everything in education, but especially special education, people get sued left and right. In the district that I was in when this happened, everybody's very litigious. So I'm not gonna open myself up to getting sued for something that is wrong anyway. Yeah. I'm not going to stand behind this in a court of law. I don't even stand behind this on this random Tuesday. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I mean, don't be too proud. I didn't always stick up for myself. My backbone was very absent for a lot of my career. Like, I've really had to build this thing from scratch. But I will say I'm very strong in my beliefs now and what I will and will not do. Don't discredit yourself. Admin is like the authority figure and it's hard when you've spent your whole life trying to like do what people are telling you to do to flip that on its head and be like no actually what you're asking me to do is wrong like you have to really be able to be in an environment and be in a place in your life where you feel empowered to do that it's like a skill sometimes I think that we have to acquire and I think it took me almost my entire life to acquire it because I don't think I have ever been in a setting where it was made easy for me to stand up for myself and it's Especially I think when you're a person like who's drawn to a helping career, you have a good heart a lot of the times. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm also a huge people pleaser. I don't want anybody to be mad at me, especially not admin because daddy principal, no punish. Please. I just want you to look at me and tell me you're proud of me. 100%. That feeling has also lessened with every workplace that I've gotten to. I've really gotten to the point where now I'm like, you're just a person, man. I know you told me not to be too proud of you, but I am and you can't stop me. Was there like a moment or a something that inspired you? Like, I'm going to stand up for myself. Enough is finally enough. Like, what was the story there? There's actually been a few of those. I mean, Fraz, remember, I have quit three jobs 
times now. So there have been a few breaking points. If we're going with like the worst job I've ever had, the one where I learned the most, but at what cost? There was just shady shit going on from the beginning. I started in January of 2021. So we started on Zoom and immediately there were some red flags that I was like, uh-oh, I just signed a contract with you people. For example, I took over another speech therapist caseload because she was on maternity leave and the parents weren't aware and it was on Zoom. So I came on the screen a few times and they were like, oh, who are you? <laughs> Why are you talking to my child? <laughs> At that job specifically, the point where I was like, I really need to leave. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the child study team or if they call it that. We have something called the student success team. So the SST. Yeah, it's like the school psychologists, the social workers who come together and like assemble like the Avengers to get those IEPs done and to like classify students who need special education services. So- And ours, we met three times before we could get an assessment. Is that kind of how yours worked? Oh, that's- really amazing because sometimes they would just meet without me and they'd be like hey you uh we just decided you're gonna assess this kid and I was like all right I mean you always do anyway every kid needs a speech assessment whether they actually do or not every kid gets one which you know that that's a different thing I'm all for erring on the side of caution but you know maybe not when I'm drowning maybe not when we are up to the ceiling in evals. So I was with the child study team. We were doing a home visit for a student who really was not appropriate for the public school setting um, because this was a student who was in very fragile health, um, bed bound, a long list of health complications. And this is actually my favorite population to work with. I have a specialized school background. So they asked me to come along because of my experience to get my input. And even the director of special services came, which was a big deal because he was a very busy man and especially after COVID he never really left his desk but he came along he said all the right things to the parent afterwards the social worker who was amazing that entire child study team just did so much hard work asked him if he was going to send her out to a specialized school uh, because that's what would be most appropriate for her what would give her the best quality of life and he turned to us and said what would be the point there's nothing there. Out of everything on earth to say you can always yeah. choose to just be silent in that moment and it's also just so fascinating to me like because I taught high school in Florida hearing about these like teams of people Florida <laughs> we spend like $12 a year on each kid so I would be like hey there's some really really obvious issues um and this child's never been tested for anything ever and they were like yeah they're almost out so yeah I will say the state that I'm in they're very well known for their special education services like people move in from out of state they move in from out of country to come here so I know florida a lot of people who have children with special needs move out of the state because it is so bad i actually know a bunch of students just from the population that i have whose families have moved them down to florida just because of the weather oh. i had students that here could not go to school even before covid they were remote for half the year because when it got to be winter their lungs couldn't handle the cold air that would make sense <laughs> but i'm also curious um, because 
because like I mentioned, I worked in a high school that did not have a ton of student services that are legally required. I'm kind of curious of what your day-to-day looked like. Your title was speech pathologist, right? You got it. Speech language pathologist. That's a mouthful. But you best believe that's what I introduced myself as because that master's degree was a bitch and a half to get. But speech therapist, speech teacher, which does not come without controversy. People don't like to be called the speech teacher or they don't care. I don't get call me whatever. For most of my career, the kids that I was seeing did not address me as anything. They just would make eye contact with me and just get up because they knew I was there for them. And that's fine. This is the first job where I'm being addressed as Miss Last Name. I've always been Miss First Name or even just First Name. I was Miss First Name when I taught pre-K and then when I taught high school, I was Miss Last Name. And I remember like the first time a grown-up said it and I was like, ew, don't call me that. I'm like, no, you you don't have to. Or the worst is like when somebody my age will be like, hey, miss. And I'm like, ooh. One of my friends, she used to be a teacher. And then she became like, she started working at this nonprofit that would like work with the kids on college stuff. So she would come to the school a lot. But she was like, literally one of my best friends. So having to be in that environment together and be like, oh, miss so and so when it's like, I'm gonna be drunk with you in six hours. Like I, (laughs) this is so awkward to call you miss last name just because we're around all these youths. You can't let the youths know that you are a person you are teacher robot and that is how you'll stay they took their little like district test online and it had teacher name and it was like my last name comma my first name they loved seeing my first name it's like catching santa claus i always called it my secret identity to them oh i love you have like the cutest things you guys both always talk about how like you would decorate your rooms and like fras when you would do your classroom content and I'm just like I am so tired I am lucky that I am making it in in the mornings like I look at pictures of myself from back when I was working that job and I'm like, I'm scared for her. Somebody help her. Mm -hmm. For real. For me at least, I'm only going to speak on my own experience. The cuteness of classroom decor is just a coping mechanism to have a sense of control. I may not have control over my schedule. I may not have control over the admin and the terrible choices being made. But you know what? God damn it. I do have control over the little fucking snowman I'm putting on my door for Christmas time with the little boots on it and it's gonna be fucking cute and his little stick arms are gonna be little stick arms and I'm gonna make them 3D with the little puffy paint and it's gonna be a good fucking time because that's something that I can do by myself. That's the same reason I wanted my Bitmoji classroom to be so on point. The Bitmoji classrooms! Mine is still abandoned in cyberspace half completed because that's when I quit my first job. My god I spent hours Um, on that I never used mine. I spent hours and hours and hours on it (laughs) and then like two days before the first day of school, I saw like a tweet or a TikTok or something that was like, imagine being 15 and having to be in online Zoom school and the fifth person in a row shows you their Bitmoji classroom. And I was like, <laughs> I can't do this. I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm being cringed and I deleted it. Oh my it. God, you know what the worst thing yeah, for me was? Than- I made this like elaborate, extreme Bitmoji classroom because my kids can't read. So like I had little stars on the stuff that was clickable. I had literally like a microphone so that you could click it and I did voiceover of like what the words were for things it was translated into English and Spanish it was so elaborate that my kids who didn't have internet couldn't access it because what the school gave them was a little hotspot it was an iPhone that was used as a hotspot 
fuck. And the internet wasn't strong enough for them to even fucking use the thing that I made. Because it would just freeze or wouldn't load. That is the perfect metaphor for the U.S. education system. God damn, we have never had something just truly poetic in its representation the way that situation is. Mm -hmm. It was brutal. That reminds me when I went in to print a bunch of IEPs, legal documents, and I said, where's the paper for me to print this? And they were like, oh, you have to bring that from home. I was like, no, but this is for the school. And they were like, yeah. No, you have to go buy that. That's my villain origin story, I think, because from that moment, I stole paper from their stupid little closet every chance I got. (laughs) Did you know Crocs are made in Vietnam? No, I did not know that. And speaking of products, that's not an ad, but this will be. Stay tuned. Tired girl, we talked about why you left, like your breaking point, and I'm wondering like if you have any advice for people who are looking to stand up for themselves. Given that it's something that you've developed, maybe you have some good advice for the people. Well, I guess you have to, you really (laughs) do have to, you have to find your why. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But you really (laughs) do have to like what you're doing here or else you're not going to make it. I entered college as like a communication major and not this, which is communication disorders and sciences, just straight up communication. I was like, I'm going to be on the radio. (laughs) You meant communication, like news article, sports coverage, like media communication. I also almost did that. But I then realized that I cannot market myself. I can't sell anything. Not Not with that that attitude. I think you could. No, I would have starved in the streets. For that, <laughs> if I was, I was a communication major, we have to know our strengths. We have to be honest with ourselves. <laughs> so I stumbled upon speech pathology because I really did enjoy working with children. I enjoyed the concept of teaching. I actually have a teaching degree. Um, I was a teacher for a short little while, um, and I was like, not quite. I enjoyed the teaching aspect, but there was just too many of them at one time. And it's not even the classroom management because I can run a tight ship. It's just, I don't think I have the capacity to handle all of them. So I got very lucky because I stumbled on this field and I was like, ooh, I think I would like this. And it makes pretty decent money. Decent money that I still have not seen, by the way. Is the money in the room with us now? (laughs) So I was like, I can do this. But I wasn't passionate about it. I've never been one of those people that like had a life plan. It's always been no plans, just vibes since birth, really. And I've been pretty lucky that I've stumbled into things that really feed my soul because I, I feel that way about this field. Like I am very passionate about what I get to do every day. The reason that I have had four different jobs is because I physically cannot settle. I've had co-workers that weren't happy, were in the same position as me, and they're still in those positions because they don't want to take the leap. One thing about me is I'm, I'm going to take that leap. I'm going to jump into the abyss and hope that there's something comfy to catch me because it's always worked out. You have to know yourself. You have to know what you're in it for. I am bilingual and that's, I don't want to say rare, but it's it's definitely, it is kind of rare in this field. Um, and to be able to communicate with students and with parents in their home language, like I can't tell you the relief 
and the joy in a parent's eyes when they know that they can communicate with me and I'm going to understand on a level that Google Translate can't get you. So knowing what I'm in it for and that at any moment I can walk away. I don't think I'm gonna in this current job in case my superintendent finds this. I, uh, I really like it so far. But that's because I went through a lot to get there. I'm just like having this hilarious vision of like your current admin and your current superintendent listening to this podcast like shaking in fear that you're announcing you're gonna leave <laughs> and they're like taking notes and they're yelling to each other like write that down write that down and then when you just said that they're like oh my god you guys I mean it gets shorter and shorter every time I quit I was only at the last place for six months but uh no this this one seems good <laughs> so far I knew pretty early on with the third place that it wasn't the place for me but I just needed to get out of that second place so badly and the third place it wasn't the vibe for me very nice people I love the students I I'm gonna go to graduation because I miss my kids so much I was with middle schoolers and oh they're great I was worried starting that job but they've been my favorite so far are you guys familiar with ABA at all no yeah ABA is um, applied behavioral analysis and it is basically training children like dogs and fight me behaviorists because that's what it is are we pro this or against it i am very much against yeah (laughs) but it's it's a very touchy touchy subject extremely touchy yes and feel free to cut this out i won't leave it in (laughs) it's staying it's autism acceptance month over here so it sure is i think in florida it's just awareness i don't think florida has reached the acceptance (laughs) which like no we're aware yep autism it's it's a thing they're like we did get that email thanks for letting us know side note sorry to derail us have either of you seen the miami-dade police department autism police car no i am not making this up you're gonna be like that woman needs professional help because she imagined this and i didn't i've seen it in real life and on social media and on the news they have a police car i don't know how to say this non-offensively like autism decorated it like it's like a bunch of puzzle pieces not the puzzle piece they're like driving around being aware but i'm like maybe just spitballing here a, a way we could be more aware is to maybe like train the officers about like the signs of autism but i think the vinyl wrap on a car was a great a great choice i don't think i can think of anything more out of touch given the things that we have seen from police and autistic people so they roll up to the scene in their autism puzzle piece wrapped <laughs> fucking cop car sirens blaring overstimulating absolutely everyone (laughs) then they're gonna get out and just like maybe do some brutality because they have absolutely no idea about how to engage with an autistic person oh my god i hope if i ever get arrested it's in the autism (laughs) police car you can talk to them about why they're crazy the whole way to the station just be like do you understand i'm gonna be cuffed and like with my face against the glass (laughs) just like breathing so it fogs up and i'm like hey (laughs) hey did you guys pick to ride in this car or did they tell you you were gonna ride in this car that'll set the tone for the rest of this conversation is it a privilege for you guys to be in here right now or is Is this this a punishment or is this a reward (laughs) are you guys autistic no autistic person is getting into a puzzle piece wrapped car (laughs) 
<laughs> which I've seen that everywhere. It's everywhere because like when I see the puzzle piece tattoos, that's when I'm really like, I just really like puzzles. They're like, no, no, no this had nothing to do with autism speak. I saw someone on TikTok that that happened to. I think we're talking about the same thing. They got like a puzzle piece with their best friend because the pieces go together. And then someone was like, don't do that. I think we have to abandon the puzzle piece as way of like the R word. Like we have to put them in the same dark closet. Let's go down the ABA rabbit hole if you wish. Or you don't have to if you're afraid to get canceled. I mean, if I was afraid to get canceled, I wouldn't have made the correlation to dog training. But I really only say that because I own a dog. She is the light of my life. She has a lot of behavioral problems and a lot of mental health issues. Stormy, you're just like mommy, baby. (laughs) So I say all that to say she has a lot of behavioral issues. I've had to do a lot of dog training. And when I tell you corporate wants you to find the difference between these two pictures, it's the same picture. You know, no situation is black and white. I know a lot of families that say they owe everything to ABA and hey, that's your experience. And I respect that because I'm not in your shoes. I just feel like the field has not advanced in the way that it should have. It's still using the same outdated methods from when it first was developed, which is just the biggest red flag. If it is a science, it should be changing all the time. You should have to take classes, you should have to take trainings, but it's more of the same more often than not. And I did work with some really great behaviorists who were starting to come around to how important it is to accept students and not just try to make them quote unquote normal because at the end of the day, they are still autistic. They will remain autistic and you stopping them from stimming and repeating things is just going to distress them. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to reward anybody with half a Skittle. Not even a whole Skittle? That's just demeaning. No, because you had to do it so often because when you rely so heavily on on extrinsic motivators, they begin to lose value. You have to keep the dosage the same or increase it. And you know, you can't pump a kid full of Skittles every day or or Sour Patch or whatever. Like, well, you can. It's just like generally frowned upon. <laughs> it is frowned upon, but not at my last workplace where they would buy Costco-sized bags of Doritos and Skittles and just go ham. And those kids who were already dysregulated because sensory needs weren't targeted as much as they should have been, got pumped up full of whatever the hell is in Cheeto dust. I eat it happily, but not because I answered a question correctly or didn't leave my seat. There's just something so demeaning about it. I I could not do it. I'm so intrigued by your interview process because at this point you must be a freaking pro. What did you ask? What were you looking for? Like, how did you kind of try to feel out if this school was going to be a better fit? You know how they say third time's a charm? That was not the case. Third time was, please get me the hell out of number two. I thought I went in with a clear head, but I did not. I had like a pros and cons list. I had a list of what I was looking for. I had a list of what I really could not stand for. Specifically at this school, I don't want to say that they lied to me because I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but I definitely was not told the whole truth. To this day, I can't figure out if it was on purpose or not, or if their view was skewed because ABA was all 
they knew. Because my last supervisor was honestly a really good person. When I went into her office to quit after having been there for four months, she was like, well, I am so happy for you. You have to do what's right for you. Like I was like shaking. And she was like, no, it's okay. Come here. Let me give you a hug. And I was like, I'm you don't understand I'm quitting, right? Did the words come out of my mouth? I don't know. I'm hot. And she was the same person that interviewed me. I also still don't know how I got that job because the like third sentence out of my mouth was, I don't like ABA. So why was I offered that job? Why did I accept that job? I know why I accepted that job. It was very good paycheck. <laughs> I was also told that I wasn't going to be expected to do too many things in the realm of ABA. And then when I started, it was like, oh no, you do want me to <laughs> do that. There's so many nuances and I don't want anybody listening to think that I will just reduce everything to ABA bad, everything else good, because the conversation is so much more complicated than that. And I understand. And I do think a lot of ABA practitioners do think that they are helping. I wouldn't have said that before I worked this job, but just the people that I met and what I saw in their daily work, they genuinely thought that this was the only way to help. I broached the subject a lot as to other ways, but when it's what you've always known and you're listening to one new weirdo telling you a different way that things could happen and you're not going out of your way to listen to the actually autistic community to find these resources that are out there, it's hard to make that change. And that's when I knew that I had to get out yet again because I didn't want to develop that complacency that like, okay, this is fine because to me that felt wrong. So I didn't want to participate with it. I didn't want those lines to get blurred. I'm so proud of you. That is a really freaking hard thing to do. Putting your livelihood on the line for what you believe in and that is very scary and uncomfortable. I commend you for that. For me, like as a probably autistic person but was a female in the 90s who was never going to get that fucking diagnosis. Because for a while people didn't think that girls could be autistic. Doctors literally took the stance they were like, oh, sadly mistaken, you're actually pretty so you're fine. Yeah. ABA to me hurts me because I feel like, oh my God, am I going to cry? That's fucking weird of me. No, it's not. I cried a lot. The things that make me who I am and the things that as a child I was bullied for, even through adolescence and young adulthood until I was like learning a lot about myself. To me, it feels like similar to the way I was bullied. Yeah. It's the same thing with a puzzle piece. It's like there's part of you that's wrong. People when I was pregnant would be like, don't take Tylenol you're gonna give your kid autism or ADHD and I was like as if it's the worst thing he's probably going to have that number one because it's genetic cats out of the bag on that one that being said like when people are looking for a cure for autism that sucks and that's why I get really in my feelings about it and I know I can't tell another parent what to do and I I've heard the same thing as you tired girl like people being like oh it changed my kid's life it changed our life and I just stay out of that but for me it's just sucks a lot so um all to say like I'm I'm really proud of you even by you leaving hopefully maybe one of your co-workers looked at you and was like wow damn this this really mattered to her like <laughs> and then started to kind of question it themselves I do know of one co-worker who is swiftly gonna exit but she's just gonna do it at the normal time she's just not gonna re-sign a contract instead of just like blowing everything up mid-year like I did 
But I will just say you're not being dramatic in the least. When I, when it finally hit me what I had accepted and what situation I was in, I spent that first weekend sobbing. I go out of my way to try to reduce harm as much as possible because especially in the population that I love to work with, my kids who are medically fragile, complex communicators, that's always been such a core part of who I am professionally. It felt like I was betraying them because I had accepted this job that works to minimize all the things that makes them them. Like, I will sit on the floor with a kid for our entire session sometimes and just stim back and forth and work in sensory strategies and just the joy on their face to be finally accepted. If you do nothing else after listening to this podcast, please look into the actually autistic community, listen to them. They are speaking, they are telling us what works, what doesn't work, what was harmful. And I just want to amplify them as much as possible. Um, And maybe I can like send you guys a few Instagram accounts that maybe you can put in like the description so that people could like find them like actually like autistic SLPs, autistic individuals that are speaking out. You know, there's a lot of shitty things that come with being in this age of technology. But one of the wonderful things is that we get to hear from people like this. Whereas 20 20 years ago, not even within last year, I saw this, they would have just been stuck in a basement being ignored or with a para for a sub. So, you know, we've got a long way to go, but we're going somewhere. We are. And I I see it. And I think that that's something that's really encouraging to me too about just being online because there's never a shortage of anything to learn. And I think that a lot of times ego can get in the way, even for me, like, you know, I'm a very different TikToker than I was three years ago when I started being like, this is how it is. And it's never just how it is. It just isn't. There's so much nuance to just everything and I love learning but it isn't innate in me I want to be right I think a lot of us want our experience to be the experience but with this age of the internet and social media with as shitty as it is sometimes that is really cool so when you were in your interviews did you have to explain your exits did they say like hey I noticed this about your resume tell me a little more like how was that so that was a very big worry for me not so much the first two because I was at those about two years each so they looked pretty normal but the six month one you know that that can be hard to explain um but the district that I'm at right now I feel like I landed where I need to be and I knew this from the interview process because a friend of mine had worked at this district previously um, and she found out that they were hiring and she was like you have to you have to go here I loved it and I was like okay great so an actual human being I trust that can vouch for this uh, place my interview was with the director of special services and that was already a green flag because somebody who's in such an important role taking time to speak to me that tells me they're going to be involved they care and it's a woman a hispanic woman so i was like and she was telling me all the ideas that she had and how my experience aligned with the vision that she had going forward. They don't currently have a well-established special education program. The way that schools can do it, uh, just to summarize, is you can keep them or you can send them out when you feel that you can't meet their needs and that it actually wouldn't be their least restrictive environment. 
So my district sends a lot of kids out, which is honestly another green flag because one of my old districts kept everybody in and they should not have because they weren't giving these kids what they needed. I feel like a lot of admin view sending a child to another school as like a failure when in a lot of cases it's not a failure. It's just like a logical step and not everything is going to fit perfectly in every single environment. And that's not a bad thing. Like you said, it's a green flag for someone to recognize and like not get their ego in the way to be like, we're not serving this student. We should give this student's information and their educational responsibility to someone who is going to be able to serve them. Yeah. You don't go to a regular dentist to get your braces done. You go to a specialist and that's okay. It's not because the first dentist isn't good enough. It's because that's not what they specialize in and you don't want them experimenting on your teeth or your kids for that matter, which unfortunately can happen when a district creates their own program. And if they don't do their due diligence to create one that can meet the needs of their students, it's really just playing make-believe and just killing time. You're not doing great things for these kids. And that's what I felt like in that second district. I was like, there's no progress being made. I'm not really helping. Near the end, I was just like, just we're just gonna play because at least I can give you some happiness. I, out of that classroom that's way too crowded where they're just yelling at you and I'm such a softie that going into an environment where like you just see grown adults bullying these disabled children what fucking nerve like get a it fucking life it just blows life. my mind if you're bullying a disabled child like that's some evil ass shit right there and and that's another thing that told me i had to go first of all it's too early in my career to be feeling like complacent i wasn't learning i was less than stagnant if anything i felt like i was getting dumber being there because i just had to turn off my brain to just get through the day that is so real and i really do think many of us have lost iq points from checking out at a job and just not in engaging like your brain is a muscle and if you don't use it you're gonna lose it and if you're hating your job and just checked out your brain is withering away and I'm scared and this ties along with not being able to decorate my room I just didn't have the neurons and I was like I may not have control over how I see them or the materials I have but I can dissociate you you can't control me up here was it an inclusive school or like so we have different uh, tiers you have your self-contained you have your inclusion which is always great but also you need to have those supports in place so you're not just throwing kids into an environment where they're not going to thrive just for the sake of being inclusive. It's not just for the PR, for the label of it. You have to provide the supports because I'm all for inclusion. I've just seen it done in a not so great way and I'm still waiting to see it done in an amazing way. I think it's done pretty good at my current district. So yay. yay. I had a classroom that they labeled as an inclusion classroom and it was not done in an effective way at all. It was the same thing you were saying like these students that definitely with more support could have been working with the same work that my general ed students were, but they just didn't have the support in that environment and we didn't have another adult in there. So it was like me as a 21 year old with 30 kids and five of them required special ed services that I was in no way equipped to provide. Zero training, did not get the IEPs until November, like a whole entire mess. And I remember feeling like guilty and I didn't want to complain about it. And looking back, I just like wasn't mature enough and didn't have the wherewithal and like the understanding to complain about it in an effective way which I was like which I think is natural for a first year teacher because I was like I don't want people to think that 
I don't want these students in my class, but like a lot of gen ed teachers don't feel empowered to kind of assert that this situation is not okay because they don't have the knowledge that a specialist like yourself has where I was like, I know this isn't wrong, but I don't know how it's wrong. So I feel like I'm wrong now. If your admin is anything like mine, even if you would have complained using the exact words for the situation, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. And from what I know of Florida, probably not. Probably not. It, it was looking pretty Florida in my second school. I'm not gonna lie. We should just start using Florida as a derogatory <laughs> adjective to describe situations in schools. I feel like I can do it because, you know, that's where I was born. I've done the Florida school things, but don't mess with Florida if you haven't been there. Like, you, you don't know. I've only taught in an inclusive setting, but I think it's one of the reasons right now that gen ed teachers and special ed teachers are always yelling at each other on the internet because people are like, you don't want those kids in your room. And then the gen ed teachers are like, yes, we do, but I'm drowning. Or they do complain about it because yes. they're like letting off steam. And then that comes off super ableist. And it's just like this back and forth and back and forth when in reality, the caseloads are huge. The assessments are backed yeah. up. Nobody is having a good time. A couple of episodes back, I was telling about the charter that I did student teaching at. They had inclusion, but they had eight teachers in a fucking classroom. I mean, they had special educators yeah. who were dedicated to the grade level. They had a floater. They had a designated para as well as one-on-one. So it wasn't a para acting like a one-on-one and getting paid to be a para, which happens all the time. Yeah. You need trained professionals. You do. I will say this about the specialized schools that I've been in. They don't pay as well, but that money that they're getting, they use it. I've never had more resources than when I was in that specialized school. I've never seen the students have more adult support than in these places because they do use that money to hire more parents, to hire more teachers, to get the trainings, to buy materials. But, you know, I don't have enough money to pay my rent. So I have a second job when I was working there, which if I could go back, I'd probably stay at my first job longer because that was my favorite one. Even with how low I was paid, those kids to this day still have my heart. And every kid I have ever had on my caseload, I still think about to this day. But specifically my complex communicators, medically fragile students who have a life expectancy of their late teens, early 20s, if they are lucky, when you can make a connection with somebody whose society unfortunately will write off a lot of the times, it's like you don't know what you're missing. Like those are some of the best people I've ever met. So I could cry thinking about them. Another really great thing is that I have never burned a bridge. So I do work for my first school all the time. Uh, so I do their summer program a lot. Um, I'll go in when they need somebody. And it's it's just great to me that that door has remained open because then I still have access to working with the kids that are my absolute favorite to work with while still experiencing other populations and also making enough money to sustain myself. Cannot relate on the not burning of bridges. But because you said you had a second job, I have to make this point because this is a hill I'm dying on. For the employers listening, your employee having a second job is the worst fucking thing in the world for you. Because if your employee has a second job, they're coming to work tired, drained, and not ready to like perform at their peak 
ability and they're fucking resenting you for it. So I hate when like employers are like, oh, do a side hustle, get a second job. It's like, no, that is against your self-interest. So not only are you exploiting me, you're also stupid. The paras in my second district, the nightmare district, they were so underpaid for the work that they had them doing, especially the ones who worked with our special ed population because it was a free for all a lot of the time. Like these kids are like tripping them, punching them, pushing them down. And I'm like, if I were you honestly, and you're not even making as much as you would in retail, go work at Subway because a Subway sandwich is not going to punch you in the face. Exactly. (laughs) Verizon is always hiring. Like if you're getting punched in the face at work. Jersey Mike's looks like a good place. Taking applications. My plan B has and always will remain to work at Costco. If if I like. (laughs) This is like such a thing. I know. I I follow uh, Millennial Miss Frazzled now too after she was on your podcast. And I'm like, see, I knew it was a good plan. I yeah, I'm sure that was a very validating episode for you. Oh, I was going around telling everybody. You're like, see, I said it. I said it and everyone said I was wrong. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to share with the people? Any other words of wisdom? If I have to think about what I learned in this crazy journey, in this four jobs in four years, and not even a job a year, that would have been a lot easier than what I did. Uh, resilience. Like, leaving a job mid-year sucks. It always sucks even when you don't like the job you have to leave behind the kids you've made connections with your co-workers who you love i some of my greatest friends are people that i've been in the trenches with because nobody else gets it like they do yeah friendships forged in fire yes in the flames of hell where we were and you have to put yourself first like you can't pour from an empty cup especially that population that's my favorite It takes a lot out of you um, to work with these kids every day who are wonderful, the lights of my life, but it's always in the back of your mind that they might not be there tomorrow because they could be in the hospital or worse. Um, And when I was leaving that job, that job that I had two jobs at the time because I could not afford anything, I was like, what am I going to do? They're going to feel like I'm abandoning them, like everything does. My boyfriend at the time said, you can't have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And like, that's what they want you to do in education. And you can't let them do that to you. You can care without giving all of yourself. And I think that those are the best educators because they set the examples that you need to see. And you got to prioritize yourself, prioritize your self-care. And when the going gets tough, you can just leave. Hit the brakes. That's always an option. That's the best part about being an adult. You can literally leave. You Nobody will stop Anytime, you. any place. I, you might have to wait 60 days, but <laughs> you can leave after that. <laughs> you did something that I really want to highlight for everyone, that you had a passion. You have a passion for what you're doing. You didn't want it to get squashed, not only by doing a practice that you disagree with, but by being in a place that wasn't right for you. So you left and you're able to continue teaching. And if you're burnt out, you're not good to the education system. Yes, I was in a very lucky position where, first of all, it's hard to even get yourself to leave. Like, because, you know, the enemy that you know is better than the enemy that you don't know to a lot of people. To me, I just cannot settle, I guess. And like, this also comes into play with my personal relationships, because my fiance is like, 
he's actually an angel like he's a wonderful person but he got me after like I was in a terrible terrible relationship so I'm always like expressing my feelings and discussing what's wrong and why I didn't like it meanwhile he just like didn't take out the trash I don't know these experiences that have been really hard to get through have also just made me who I am um and I'm lucky that I'm able to turn around and just do this thing that I love every day but I would not be able to do it if I didn't put myself first and that's that yeah oh wait one last thing I also very much feel for my teachers because I always think if I'm feeling overwhelmed they have to be feeling that times 10 and especially when I come in like with my AAC which is one of my specialties augmentative and alternative communication which you might have seen as like paper books or Mm -hmm. systems on an iPad it's really hard for me to come in there and just like tell them hey you have to use this all day every day um this thing that you don't know so i like to go in and offer support more than anything like you'll never catch me shitting on teachers because your job is hard enough as it is i'm here to help and i i've seen like that whole general ed versus special ed and i'm right in the middle of it and i just always want to help because that's that's what's going to help me get progress for my students. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to make your job easier as the teacher. Like, I need you on my side. We're always on your side. At least the people in this call are. Thanks for coming. This was fun and enlightening. If you want to listen to more of our squawking, there is even more content over there on Patreon. It's usually a little weirder than we are over here. But thank you again for listening to another episode of Teacher Quit Talk. Thank you, Tired Girl, for sharing your story with us and keeping all of our standards high and making sure we are at a school where we are not asked to do illegal things because we don't like that thank you guys for having me on this is from cyaner girl it's (laughs) better than expected that's always that's (laughs) always my plan i like to set that bar low didn't think i'd like this podcast but i'm hooked don't plan to quit but there's something magical about listening to other people's problems and realizing i'm not alone rachel c72 says my only critique is the sound quality and we fixed it for you. We listen. Hey, he, I rose. I haven't actually quit yet, but God help me. I will not be in this classroom by August. And the title of her review was convinced me to quit. Girl, do it. Job. Another job. Bye. I'm going to go start editing. Thank you for coming. Nice to meet Bye. you. This is amazing. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Just as a disclaimer, because I am someone who is actively teaching, everything on this podcast is my personal opinion and does not reflect my district, my state, my employer, my students, or my admin. Everything on this podcast was recorded on personal time, on personal equipment, and is a completely separate endeavor from my school district. Yeah, leave her alone.